and have a lot of people saying, well, why don't you just say spice free? Um, spice meaning like sexual content. Well, one reason why I don't do that is because um, spice is a word that pretty much only BookTok knows. So a lot of the like wider audience people have no idea what that means. Um, and also because clean fantasy encapsulates more things. Like I've got dragons and assassins, right? But like gore. Um, that would kick it all the way up from PG-13 to an R rating. Um, and I've had people be like, what, like, there's no violence? Like, no, there's murder in The Lion King. It's about how you depict it. Do you love science fiction and fantasy books? you found yourself in the right dimension. Welcome to the greatest podcast in the multiverse, where each week I talk to science fiction and fantasy authors about myth, magic, and the infinite possibilities of storytelling. I'm your host, Herman Stuernagel, and I will be taking you on a journey with some of your favorite authors, helping you to get to know them and possibly uncover some new literary gems along the way. Ready to explore? Because on this show, every conversation is a doorway into a different world. Well, hello, and welcome to the greatest podcast in the multiverse. This is episode six, and today I welcome EA Winters to the show. We have a great chat discussing clean fantasy. It's such a great interview. EA, or Aaron, has developed a TikTok channel focusing on clean fantasy as a niche. I've seen clean fantasy recommendations popping up on TikTok, and I think it's partially in response to the spicy book recommendations that have been prevalent on the platform. But as Aaron describes in our interview, clean fantasy is a term that covers more than just romance. We talk about what clean fantasy means and how clean fantasy is different from YA fantasy. We also talk about her book, Dragon's Kiss, and the series that, is, that that book is a part of. It is full of assassins, kingdoms, and yes, dragons. So I don't have much of a personal update this week. I've been finishing up some rewrites for Chimera, and I've been pushing to get it ready for advanced readers. It's been a fun journey, and I'm just trying to get over the finish line here so I can get it out to you. What I'm reading this week is Invasion by Star Z Davies, which is book four in her Powers Legacy series. This series has seriously been one of my favorite reads of this year. It is dystopian, and if you enjoy books such as Red Queen, The Giver, and Maze Runner, this is a book for you. And if you are here because of EA Winters, this might be up your alley as well. It is listed as YA on Amazon, but it does straddle that line between YA and adult fiction. I would classify it as clean fantasy, though. So if that is something that sounds interesting to you and you haven't already, I did an interview with Star in episode two. So be sure to check that out and learn more about this series because it is a lot of fun and I know you will like it. So I would like to hear what you're reading. Please let me know in the comments on YouTube or you can join my Facebook group, The Greatest Podcast in the Multiverse, and let me know there what you're reading. One thing that I will note about today's interview is there there was a significant delay between myself and Aaron while we were recording. Um, I have cleaned things up as best as I can in post-production, but you might notice some places where things are noticeably clipped and choppy as a result, especially on YouTube where the video will jump a little bit. Don't worry though, I think I've worked out the worst of the bugs, um, but I do apologize for the hiccups that are there. It is a great interview. I definitely recommend that you keep listening as it continues. So that's all I've got for an intro today. I'll read Aaron's bio and we will get on with the interview. E.A. Winters is the author of The Forgotten Stone and the Blood and Flame Saga series. She writes fast-paced 
epic fantasy stories that will keep you turning pages long into the night. She writes with a chai tea close at hand and deftly feels being tigger pounced by her two little boys at home. When she's not writing, she enjoys family time with her boys and husband in Virginia. Come along to narrowly escape death, ride dragons, and befriend assassins. Hello and welcome to the greatest podcast in the multiverse. I'm here today with EA Winters. I met Aaron last year at 20 Books to 50K Vegas Conference. And we had a great time there. We were both on the audiovisual team. I first actually saw Erin on TikTok, um, where she was talking about Queen Fantasy and her books there. So I thought I would bring her on because I wanted to hear more about it. So Erin, can you tell us a bit about your writing journey and what's brought you to this point in your career? Yeah, of course. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me on. It it has been so cool seeing you on TikTok and then meeting you in person at Vegas. Um, it's an awesome conference. So. I started writing kind of off a whim, like in 2017, I, it took me a year to write my first book and another year to edit. It took me quite some time. At least it felt like it's for me. And my second book took me four months to draft. So it just, it changes, um, as you go, I guess. So that one, I I didn't publish it until the very end of 2019. Um, and then since then I've done a couple different things. Like I wrote my first draft of my next book. Um, which ended up being book one of the Blood and Flame saga, my Dragons and Assassins YA fantasy series. Um, And then I ended up writing some children's books as well because I got pregnant with our second and just life and things. And so I kind of do both, but under another name. Um, And yeah, and so ever since then, I've kind of just been diving in headfirst. I'm really terrible at doing things halfway, as it turns out. And um, I I can break that down more, but basically right now, I have five published YA fantasy uh, novels out, and I just finished writing book one of a new series that will launch later this year. And that's fantastic. So it took you a year to get, or two years to get the first one done. And yes. how how long between Dragon's Kiss, Dragon's Kiss? That's the right name, right? Mm-hmm. Dragon's yep. Kiss and Crimson Queen. How How long was it between those four books? So writing them and releasing them is a little bit different because I wrote dragon's kiss i mean i think 2020 maybe um and then there was a there were uh the rest of my pregnancy in there and um deployment my husband's deployment in there we're a military family um and so there's like a lot of things and so then i wrote books two and three while he was deployed and then I wrote, I was writing Crimson Queen when book one launched. So I launched them only like three months apart or something, like every th- two to three, three months-ish, right? So I, I launched all four. Um, here they are. I launched all four in like an eight-month span, but I don't write that fast. I, it takes me roughly four months to draft a book. Although Noble Claims took me two and a half. And I don't know if I can replicate that with my current schedule. Um, but this is the series. This is, we've got Dragon's Kisses book one, Broken Bonds book two, Noble Claims book three. And this is my favorite cover, is Crimson Queen. Um, so yeah, so it took me a little bit longer to to write them. But I wanted people to get them faster. So I kind of stacked it before I released them. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I didn't realize you'd done that. That's, that's a good way to do it, I think. And they're all really pretty covers. Like they look, they look so Thank good. Thank you. I love, I love my designer. I actually get the cover for book one of the new series on Monday. I'm, I'm 
super excited. <laughs> a little nervous, super excited. Wonderful. Yeah. And there's definitely a consistency in the titles. Um, so, I mean, it definitely shows. So that's great. Uh, you mentioned that you had written a couple lines and it turned into something, but what's your motivation behind story storytelling and the process, the process that you're going through now? Yeah. So, um, it started out for this amount of time as just a hobby, <laughs> um, because I enjoy writing. I haven't done a lot of like formal creative writing. I always enjoyed doing creative writing, like in school when we came across it. Um, you know, I, my, I have copious personal journals kind of things. Um, but that's unrelated really. I wanted to be a writer at the same time. I wanted to be like a dragon. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm staring at my books too much. Um, a dolphin trainer when I was like, you know, nine. Okay. Um, and then neither of those panned out at the time. I actually um, went to my, I have a master's in uh, clinical mental health counseling. So I'm a licensed professional counselor. So um, I still do that. I have an active license, but it became like my me time. So if I hadn't written for a little bit, this part is still true. I'll get real grumpy um, because like it means I've had no space to myself because I've had space to myself. That's what I'm doing. Like I'm, I, I write a lot in that time. So I think I just, I, I really enjoy it. Um, it, yeah, I enjoy it a lot. And then it just, it just kind of blossomed into this other thing that, um, other people are enjoying it too. And I really enjoy spending my time doing that. And if I could spend more and more of my time doing that and make that feasible and make that make sense, um, I think that's a lot of it. I really, really enjoy the like craft and art of storytelling and like getting into that. And I'm a reader too. Like, obviously I think most of us are that end up writing books. Um, so yeah, I think I like, yeah, like I like providing more of the stories that I like to read. Like it's fun. It's a really fun for me. Very cool. So, you know, and I'm sure as a counselor too, you're talking to people all day. So being able to sit and write for a bit to, you know, have that time to inflect is probably, probably a good break for you too. Yeah, it's a, it's a very different brain space to, to be in and it's, um, unfiltered might not be the right word, but sort of like I have a very different hat on when I'm counseling. It doesn't mean that it's not me. Like it is me. You get authentic mm -hmm. me in session, but I'm, I'm not a unfiltered sharing all of the things of myself. Like it's not about me at all in that hour or whatever, or multiple hours with different people I'm sitting with. Um, it's not about me whatsoever. And my self-disclosure is, um, careful, right? So it's definitely different. So to have this, it's just mine and I can put whatever I want in it. I can say whatever I want. And sometimes there's actually one day, um, this was kind of a cool realization that I had, like I was writing, I was really anxious about something. Um, and I don't usually get that anxious. I mean, I worry about stuff, but like, I don't usually get, like, it was not shaking off. And I had gotten off work and I went and I like sat at Starbucks for like 30 minutes before I got to pick up my kids. And, um, I sat there and I wrote and I was like, I feel super anxious and worked up right now, but you know who should be feeling all of those things? Semra, my main character, because, um, I'm, she's going through, a, I'm giving her a lot of horrible things that she's going through right now. So I handed her, I described, it was kind of like an expressive thing, almost like, like a therapeutic thing for me. Cause I described everything that I felt in my body and I gave it to her and I felt awesome when I left, like Samara wasn't feeling that great, but I felt great. So it's just, it's a, it's an outlet for me. Yeah. I think. yeah. How cathartic. Really cool. And it is, it's just mine. You know, it's just mine. Right. And to add some authenticity to what your character is feeling, that's, you know, 
that's that's yeah. a great way, <laughs> way to do that. Yeah. <laughs> Surprise. Um, who are some of the authors who influence you? Um, I I love Tolkien Shocker. I really love Tolkien, which is um I have my my debut, The Forgotten Stone, um, is like a quest um, you know, myth quest legend sort of adventure um uh, story. Okay. Sorry, I don't know what just happened. Classic epic fantasy. And so yeah, so that one's yeah. So that that I like to kind of say is like Lord of the Rings meets Narnia vibes for it, but it's like a okay clumsy female heroine, a um, little bit different than what you normally would expect for like traditional heroines who are maybe more good at things um, or butch. <laughs> Either one, she's neither of those things. And but that one feels I, I've gotten some feedback that that feels a little bit more like that. Um, but I do love Lord of the Rings. I love C.S. Lewis. I really like Ted Decker. Um, I've read like 20 of his books. I've read other books that I really enjoy, like Shadow and Bone and like Story Peddler, but those were more recent. And so one of the formative things I think that kind of sticks with me, I really like um, how Ted Decker starts his stories. I don't know if you've read many of his. He's not exclusively fantasy, but I like his writing style. I've read a few Ted Decker books. It was okay. it, it was a long time ago, but I have read I have read Ted Decker books and I and I know what you mean yeah. about his style there. He definitely um, I I did enjoy it. I do. Yeah, I like it a lot. And I specifically remember of all the 20, I remember the Circle Trilogy was the first thing I read of his and I really loved it. And the first, like, mm-hmm. he drops you straight into the scene where this guy is running through an alley in, in Brooklyn or something. Somebody's shooting at him and you're like, what's he doing? What's happening? Is he going to die? Why is he running? Is he a good guy? Is he a bad guy? I have so many questions. And, like, just action immediately. And then, you know, he, like, dives through the window of his sister's apartment to try to escape course she's a nurse he passes out he wakes up in this other fantasy world and anytime he gets knocked out or is unconscious or goes to sleep in one world he wakes up in the other one and um it grabbed me immediately and didn't let me go and that's what i like like i I like the fast pace i like to get dropped in like if it's opening with somebody who wakes up and hits their alarm clock like i'm just how long is it gonna take till stuff happens you know and so I, that's how I feel about it, I guess. I don't want to, you know, stick it out a hundred pages and see. I'm like, oh, please don't make me do that. Like, just, yeah. So I, I, that inspired me, I think, a lot to have. I want a strong, like, fast start. Like, that just, it's. Cool, cool. Very cool. Uh, yeah, and I, you know, I did start reading The Dragon's Kiss, and I definitely felt that. I haven't gotten too far into <laughs> it yet. But, um, but getting drop, dropped in like that, it was super interesting. But I am a slow reader, and I can't read that many books, so I haven't gotten too far yet. Yeah, I, I totally get it. I totally get it. I'm actually in the middle of reading one right now, and I do like the book, but I just haven't been able to sit down again. I feel mm-hmm. terrible. Um, yeah, it's super fun. And also, like, in story structure, I sort of get the waking up the alarm clock thing, because a lot of times in story structure, they talk about, like, establishing what's normal for the character. And what worked out really cool for Dragon's Kiss is, like, yeah, okay, but her normal is at least not normal for us which makes it interesting so dropping us into an assassination plot that gets botched is um is cool because it's it's still interesting but it's her normal so we still established a baseline but it's like different so kind of fun for me yeah and we'll come back <laughs> to talking more about dragon's kiss and samurai a bit because i do want to hear yeah. more about that but first i'd like to talk a little bit more of, i'd like to talk about um clean fantasy because you talk a lot on your yes. tiktok about clean fantasy um can you tell us a little bit more about what that means yeah absolutely so clean fantasy basically i do get this question a lot too so basically um i i consider it like pg-13 and down 
like if it was a movie or something, right? So anything that would make a film R-rated or whatever. Mm -hmm. And um, on TikTok in particular, or BookTok or whatever, I have a lot of people saying, well, why don't you just say spice-free? Spice meaning like sexual content. Well, one reason why I don't do that is because um, spice is a word that pretty much only BookTok knows. So a lot of the like wider audience people have no idea what that means. that refers to sexual content at all. And also because clean fantasy encapsulates more things. I hadn't heard of spice before TikTok either. So that was a new term to me as well. So you're, you're absolutely right. It's, yeah. uh, it's something that unless you're in that world, it's a, that's a foreign, <laughs> a foreign term. Yeah, but clean fantasy is a little bit more established, which, which helps a lot. Um, just using an established, more, more effective term. But it's also, it just encapsulates more things. Like, so when you think about rating a movie um for content usually there is something for language um violence that isn't just violence like i've got dragons and assassins right but like gore um that would kick it all the way up from pg-13 to an r rating um i've had people be like what like there's no violence like no there's murder in the lion king it's about how you depict it right like so there's there's a range you know so anything like so Absolutely all the way to gore for violence and then um, sexual content, anything explicit um, and then language. Right. So I have no real world cursing. Um, and so no like bad language or whatever in my books at all. And then I have no sexual content. There is romantic tension. There is slow burn romance. Um, there is kissing, but there's nothing explicit. Right. So that's what I mean when I see clean fantasy. And okay. Um, yeah. OK, very cool. And so how does clean fantasy different from YA fantasy then? So that's a good question because, okay, so YA fantasy technically is targeted for like age 12 to 18. And a lot of times what that means is that the themes might include some coming of age, but also that the age of the protagonist is somewhere in that range. Like sometimes it extends to like early 20s or whatever, but technically it's about 12 to 18 and so young adult fantasy targeted to minors should all be clean fantasy most people who spend some time reading clean fantasy or excuse me young adult fantasy has discovered that this is not always true and you'll run into stuff even in the YA category that maybe should be in the adult section um, because it has some of that kind of content in it so YA should be clean fantasy but not all clean fantasy is young adult, like Lord of the Rings, Frodo's 55 in the books. So like not young adult, you know? And then um, Brandon Sanderson is another good example. Um, No, Brandon Sanderson is a great example of clean adult fantasy. Um, And that's a good point that that's an author I hadn't thought of, but it's very true. Yeah, like it's, yeah, it's adult fantasy. Um, It's for adults, characters might be a little bit older, you know, Um, maybe it's a little bit more gritty or whatever. But it doesn't, yeah, it's not It's not written for minors. But it's still clean. So it still doesn't have that stuff in it. So clean fantasy. So when I first started writing, I actually, I wasn't necessarily writing for teens. Um, I was just writing what I liked, you know, and I'm not a teen. And it ended up working out. One of the reasons I leaned into YA is like, these are the types of things. I don't want to have that stuff in it. And even adults, they look in the YA section for clean fantasy and I'm like well I'm just gonna go all yes, in I'm gonna right. do YA because that's what I like yeah so that's what I just ended up doing and I kind of I play like the cusp so my characters aren't 13 they're like 17 to 19 
15. Like I'm on the oldest end of young adult for the age of the protagonist. And then they're in a medieval setting. And then they have trauma and both of those things kind of age you up a little bit. So I kind of just assume that some of my people are decently mature for their age. So it's realistic for their age, but I don't, I don't just want to do angst all day. You know what I mean? And some YA books are like only that. And I'm just, no, that's just not what I want to spend my time writing. (laughs) That is very fair. You talked a little bit about the tropes of young adult fantasy already. Um, are there any more that you make sure that you include that readers are expecting in order to get, you know, that young adult experience that they're looking for when they pick up a YA book? That's a good question. I I don't know that I'm overly intentional at putting specific tropes. Like there's certain things, I guess, like I, I like slow burn romance stuff, primarily because, I don't know, it feels, it feels yeah there are people who do it well so i'm not saying for me for me it feels cheap for my style to make the romance happen really fast because i don't even know how to do that believably and i think that's the thing is it doesn't feel believable to me so i like to have the slow burn build kind of thing so like i mine are that a lot i think and i think sometimes my readers will tell me more like what my tropes are i guess in some way like so i have dragons and assassins in my dragons and assassins series the blood and flame saga obviously um i like the idea of noble bright like it's by the end well i guess you know that's one of the things we might get to a little bit later but like by the end i i want it to feel complete and hopeful and um because i think there is hope in the world and there's plenty of crazy crap already so you know we might as well have when we escape that we also have like yes there is hope and there is possibility for us to grow and like build and um and so i do want our characters to grow and develop in themselves just as just as we do and so i think some people say that fantasy is unrealistic but i don't think that's true at all i think um i think it's just what would an actual person do if they were in this scenario and that's no different from any genre or any significant thing at all. So I have some people actually, and I don't even notice that I'm doing it, but I guess as a therapist background or just, I don't know, um, I'll have people be like, wow, like how you depicted PTSD. Like I didn't expect to see that. Um, That was really cool. I haven't seen that done much before. And I was almost like, really? Like, that's just what would happen. Like I didn't, I didn't think like, how do I put PTSD in this book? I was like, yeah, like, so she's been through this stuff. She's not going to be fine. You know? Totally. Totally. That's that's a great perspective that you have around that, though, because I don't know if everyone realizes that the impact that those events have. And, it, you know, there's yeah. sometimes it's frustrating where you when you have a character whose um, entire family dies and, and the reader expects them to just like get up and like go fight the villain now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, come on, you cried for a whole two minutes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why is he so whiny? <laughs> Uh, Well, why don't we talk a bit more about Dragon's Kiss? We've been kind of talking around it, but can you tell us what it's all about, I guess? Yeah, sure. So basically, so again, here it is. It's book one. It's a four book series. Basically, Semmer is our main character. So every month the dragon comes to this village and every month it snatches a child. And the village of Kalma thinks that the dragon's just eating them. Um, But Semmer knows the truth. There's a dragon lord of the mountain 
raising up these children into his own personal indoctrinated syndicate of assassins. And she was one of those. And she's top of her class. There's a whole system in the mountain where they're, um, they have like different classes and stuff, raising them up. And so um, she's top of her class. She graduates early, the first one ever to do that. Um, she's awesome at what she does. Um, but they were told that they were purging the world of evil when she discovers that they are in fact evil itself and uncovers one of the dragon lord's great lies she um she risks everything to expose him she ends up looking like a traitor she's got an army of assassins she's got a dragon lord after her she's got all this stuff to try to protect um the kingdom before it falls and prevent a royal coup very cool very interesting so what was <laughs> your what was the inspiration behind creating this Oh, this is like the most normal question and I never know how to answer it. Um, I wish I remembered. <laughs> it's so horrible. I wish I remembered. Um, I kind of don't know what it was. Yeah, I don't have a good answer. Like yeah, I remember okay. bits and pieces of like what I, what I pulled in this and that like from that was cool. I remember like the dragon. I wanted to make it something a little bit different. And so I kind of pulled like, you know, from chameleons, they change color with their mood. Um, or as like a language communication device. And so this one species of dragon um, that our main character ends up spending more time with um, is is a wrong change dragon, which means that they can actually change colors. Um, so there's like different things that I kind of like incorporated as I researched or along or stuff that was kind of fun. Um, but as for the core of the story itself, I, I hate that I don't remember, but I honestly don't. I don't know exactly where it came from. Um, but spinning it from there was cool. And I did take, for Dragon's Kiss in particular, I was reading a book called My Story Can Beat Up Your Story. And that is really cool. I was kind of exploring my process and how to outline and like how best to like break into a story. And um, that helped me a lot. Um, it was the second book I'd ever written, and it was the first one that I really tried to outline because um, I kind of pantsed the Forgotten Stone. Okay. Yeah, I was going to ask you if you if you typically plot your stories or not. Yes. Yeah, so like when I had the Forgotten Stone, um, it was originally called something else. It was originally called The Cost of Humanity, um, which has a double meaning to me that was really meaningful. But when you look it up, it comes up with like humanities textbooks. So it was not a good fantasy title. Oh. Um, so I, yeah, exactly. Right, yep. right. So I, I fixed it. Um, I ended up giving it a new title, new cover, the professional edit it should have gotten before, but I didn't pay for it at the time. And then I re-released it. So, um, anyways, for that one, I had like, I know like A, B and C happen, but I don't know how to get them from A to B or from B to C. Um, and it was very loose. Like there was a lot of empty middle of like, I don't know, like stuff happens, I guess we'll see. And I thought like, yeah, like I'm just a pantser. Like that's just my style, but I've never written a book before. I don't know what my style was. It turned out okay. Like it's, you know, people really enjoy the story and like, it's a, I think it's a good story. Um, but it's, it's different of right. style wise for how I got there. So I was like, this is just me. Like I'm just a pantser. I thought that was cool. Um, and it is cool for lots of people. That is their style. It turns out like that's not my style. I should have seen that a mile away. So um, I, I'm an outliner. <laughs> Sometimes I'll deviate and come back or tweak or fiddle in the middle, but like I need my outline. Yeah. It makes me happy. And it also cuts down a lot for me on like writer's block. Um, because if I know what I'm writing, even if I fiddle with it, I have something to start with. Whereas if I don't know, it takes so much additional mental energy for me to figure out like what exactly, I don't know. It's just, it cuts down a lot that I'm just like, oh yeah. And then I can drop in the Easter eggs as I go. I think I've seen when I talk to people who pants, they spend a lot more time in editing and I just despise editing. So I think it just depends on which one you prefer more and 
That's what it seems to me based on what I've talked, but I don't know. What do you do? What do you like the most? You know, it, it actually varies depending on the book, oddly enough. Um, mm-hmm. I My I first that. book was completely pants. I did the same thing. I just kind of, you know, sat down and, and wrote. Um, and then kind of the more, then when I started writing the second book, I ended up having to toss out like 30,000 words. And I absolutely hated doing that because I oh, hadn't, no. didn't know where I was going. I was just kind of fumbling. Yeah. So after oh, that, I've tried to have at least a baseline outline in place since then. And usually yeah. by the time I'm writing, things change anyway. So it, I don't always follow mm-hmm. it exactly. Um, yeah. And sometimes I get to a point in the book, I'm like, oh, no, this should happen here because something else should have happened back here. So I will go back and forth a bit. Right. But it's, um, yeah, I'm, I'm not every book is different it's it's really interesting <laughs> i would think yeah, that, that i would have found sense. you know some sort of pr- process that works eight books in now but yeah <laughs> but I Man, that's yeah because i that's crazy you've written you've written eight or you have eight out right now what's i have seven out now i have the eighth coming out in a couple months. coming out that's awesome okay cool i have written yeah. six and I just outlined the other day, I outlined book two of the upcoming series. And yeah, it's like, I feel like my process is still changing and developing and stuff over time a little bit as I like kind of fine tune. And I wonder if it will change kind of like you said, um, this past time I was like, maybe it'll just change a little bit. Cause I had the rest of this. So book one I wrote, and then the next three books of Dragon's Kiss, um, the Blood of Flame Saga series, I outlined all three together. And then I went back and wrote book two, three, four. And I, by the time I got to book four, I did change some stuff. It was the weakest of the outlines that I had had. Um, but this time I was, I, and I was like, yeah, maybe I'll just do that. I'll outline all the series at once each time I do a series. And I got to this and I was like, I'm not doing that. So I think it just, it, it does kind of shift, you know? For sure. Absolutely. Um, so can you tell us a little bit more about the world of, of Dragon's Kiss in that series and, you know, kind of what that, that world looks like? Yeah, it's a lot of fun. So the mountain, there's a big mountain system. You can see it in, well, I don't know how much you'll be able to see it from here. I have a, I have a map. I love maps. Um, but in there, there's actually like, so there's like a whole mountain around a lake and um, I can't see it super good on the screen probably, but um, there's a huge cave system inside. And so the entire it's not really a school, but the program, the entire program um, where he's raising these kids and training them is in the mountain. And then there's a whole, I didn't explain all of it in the book, but there's a whole, like they have a practicum and they have like a whole level of everything as they kind of move up. Um, so it is in a medieval setting. And then we're in the country of Yanomar or the kingdom of Yanomar. And we mostly spend time in Yanomar. So that's that's been a lot of fun. So, and then I, you kind of blow out the map a couple times. So Belvedere is to the south and we end up going there in throughout the series, not in book one, but like further out. Um, and it's a little bit like more European setting, but one of the things that I was kind of excited about, cause I really like this world and I've gotten feedback that people really enjoy the world too. Um, but what I, I, I wanted to also explore different angles of it and different things. And so this upcoming series that's connected takes a secondary character and she has her own series, but I'm blowing out the map. I get to go do different things and see different types of creatures that weren't like indigenous to this area. So now I can go, she's going to Rada. She's going to this whole other place, like towards the North. And we've got mermaids and probably pirates and different things going on up there. Um, And it's more like um, 
India inspired kingdom there. So it's like very, at least architectural wise and like some of these different things. And so, and there's going to be an island nation that we encounter. And so then I can do like all kinds of different stuff, but still within kind of the same world, but like encounter different types of styles and people and things, which is really cool. So I'm starting like sort of European based here, but then we branch off into all kinds of different stuff from there. That's a really great concept and a really interesting way to expand your world and your universe. Thanks. I, I'm really enjoying it because I think, I think I'm scared to do, I have, I know a couple people who are doing like 10, 15 book series is like, do they just like go? And that's so cool. Like I'm, I am so like respectfully like awed by that. I think, um, I'm scared that I would run out of stuff or run out of steam on my own. Like, what if I get bored? What if I, I don't know, like, what if I don't have enough content for that? Like, what if, so, um, I, I, I don't know. I, I think I, um, I really like that I can, I can give them their, their ending, like a solid, good ending and then still stick around sort of though. Um, so yeah, it's neat for me because I'm not constrained. Like what if I get bored of the setting, even not the characters, like I can take those characters different places and do different stuff. Like that's kind of cool for me. Yeah, and I think that's probably making your life as a writer easier as well because you you know you have these trilogies or or book four or sets of four you yeah. know in one storyline and then you don't have to recreate everything in order to go to the next series and you're yes. keeping readers that enjoy the first series you know entertained and they get to learn more about the world that you're in. I think that's a great idea. Thanks. Yeah. Well, and um, and Lee Bardugo does that all the time. You know, like um, at 20 books, I saw there's several people who have like hundred something books all in one universe or like everything they wrote is now. That's so cool. Yeah. Um, And I, as a reader, like I love Shadow and Bone. Um, I really loved it. I haven't read the Six of Crows. I know. I know. I got a lot of that. Um, but I did read the duology, like the King of Scars and Rule of Wolves, and I loved it. And I was hoping for more time with Nikolai because he was cool. Um, so I loved that it was connected and it does drive me into that. I'm like, yes, give me more of that. But it made sense to have Shadow and Bone like end where it did. Like, I think it kind of honors those characters in that storyline to like yeah. have that resolve. So you get that like, yes, it's resolved, but like, oh no, mm. it's resolved. And you can satisfy both of those things at once. So as a reader, I think that's so cool. It's like Avengers, like the, the yeah. goal, like I always like wanted, like, oh, would it be so cool if like two of them got the same before they did that, you know, we were all like, wouldn't that be cool? And then they did it and we were like, yeah, yeah that's cool. So this way you kind of get like pieces of what I like. I was like, yeah, that sounds cool. So I'm kind of like doing what I like more, you know? Um, and how about, so how about the characters? Who's your favorite character in the series and why? And tell me a little bit more about what makes them special. Well, I obviously do have a soft spot for Samara because she's my main character. I do really like her. She's super fun. Um, she is... Emotions are hard. Um, she, you know, she's had a lot of trauma and background and stuff. Um, she hates dresses. Um, she, she, because they're not overly practical, you know, like she has a modified custom skirt that she has to wear for settings where she wants to blend in and women don't usually do that. Um, but she's always annoyed by it. And um, there's certain things about that. Um, and I like that I have different types of women that I write though as well. Like you don't have to have a woman who can kill everybody and, um, and isn't feminine in order to have strong characters. So like there's another one in there that I wouldn't want to have tea with. She's not like 
nice, <laughs> but she's really fun to write. Um, she's very feminine, um, but she's uh, manipulative and kind of nasty um, and power hungry. Um, I don't want to tell you who it is. And um, because there's a couple of different women that are different types of people. And, um, and okay. then I have uh, Aviyama becomes the main character of the next story. And she's the opposite. She's actually, once she gets to know Samra in the original series, because we meet her there, she's constantly trying to get Samra to wear a dress. She's like, oh, can I please? And um, she's, I kind of picture her like Anna Green Gables almost um, before the trauma hits. <laughs> and then she's muted a little and we'll see her come back out a little bit more afterwards. Um, but yeah, so like, I, I like the different things. Um, most people, I think their favorite is Siler. Um, cause he's witty and funny okay. and people immediately like him. He's kind of like the rogue. He doesn't always make like good decisions, but he's funny. So, um, you know, he's kind of like a loner and on his own and, but he likes her and he wants to keep her around, you know, so it's that whole. So what's his, what's his role in the story without getting into any spoilers? Yeah. Sorry. So, um, Siler is one of her assassin colleagues. So, um, so we meet a couple different people. Um, we meet some of the royal family as well as they, you know, encounter their quest to try to prevent the royal coup from happening. Um, but Siler is one of the first other, like, secondary characters or, I mean, he's core, but um, that we encounter in the series as he's one of the um, assassin colleagues that actually tries to kind of help her get out. Um, so he has seen some of these issues longer than she has, um, but now he sees a good escape okay. route. Um so yeah, so that's so that's who he is, and um, so I got a lot of feedback that they that people like him. There's a couple of small characters that I like too, um, that are unusual, right? And that makes them kind of fun. Sometimes the side characters are more fun to write than the main characters. Yeah, like there's one that's really funny. I I mean not well. I think they're kind of fun. Like there, she's um, you only see her a couple times, honestly. Like you don't see her a lot, but her voice is very distinct. And I think um, that's probably something as a writer that I need to make sure I do more and better. Um, but hers is in my head very clear. Like she has this high, thin, reedy voice and she's a sort of a strange character, um, but she's uh, she's interesting, you know? And so I always kind of had a good time when she was in there. Yeah. So she's kind of random. I'm not gonna, she's not gonna pump up much awesome. again, but I like her. <laughs> yeah, I have a side character like that as well, who oh, yeah. has a very distinct voice. And, um, you know, those are the fun ones to write because you can you can play around a lot more with them. Yeah, it's pretty cool. <laughs> so what do you want your readers to walk away from your books feeling and what time, what type of experience can they expect? Those are different questions, I feel like. What I want them to experience and then what they can expect to come away from. Because what I want them to walk away from, I guess, is the same feeling that, like, I like when I walk away from a series or a book that I really love. You know, like, I love... Um, reading through a story. I want it to capture me. I want it to keep my attention. Hopefully my books do that um, for readers and carry me through all the ups and downs and stuff. By the end, I want I want it to feel wrapped up. I want it to feel resolved. I want it to feel like a little warm and fuzzy. You know, like if you've read the Lord of the Rings books, like um, Merry and Pippin, when they go back to the Shire and you're like, yeah, like you're awesome now and you can say, be funny and like say these little things and like, but it's all, it's a very like, I don't know, like exciting, like place of achievement that they've come and um, whatever that feeling is, I kind of want you to have a little bit of that, you know, like yeah. by the end, like you might not know who's cool. going to make it, 
to the end of the series. You might not know who all is going to live. You might not know how they're going to get there. But um, but I don't write tragedies. Like, I'm not going to – I don't want you to leave feeling like okay. you just are emotionally exhausted. I want to, like, package you back up <laughs> after anything else that I've done right. to you. And um, so that's kind of, I guess, what I hope that people, like, enjoy and take from it. Um, yeah, like, it could, that, that feeling. It's exciting and it's like, ah, oh, and maybe you wish you could read more – but that story to feel like, yes, like, okay, like that's primarily resolved. Um, and then what I want, what was the second one? What kind of experience? Yeah. What kind of experience can they expect? I mean, I guess that's more for the reader to say, because I, I have a different view of my stories than anyone else does because I wrote them. I spend a lot of time of in them, you know? So like, I think sometimes it's even hard for an author to determine exactly what about their book is best because you'll like it. Like if you ask a singer, what's their best song? Like when you ask Billy Joel, what's his favorite song? Um, it's not one of the popular ones, you know, like the ones he thinks are the best or whatever. So, mm. um, so I'm, yeah. yeah, I guess I don't really know. Like, um, but I, I love, that's why I like hearing feedback because they'll tell me sort of like what they like and what they experienced and, um, that's really fun for me. That's like super rewarding. So when people leave reviews or like somewhere or, or send me a message or a comment or something and they say like, that's pretty cool for me. Um, so for the last question, this is the greatest podcast in the multiverse. So can you tell me about how in a parallel universe, a different choice may have shaped another version of your life? I, I'm not very good at these sorts of questions. I mean, I guess I could have become a dolphin trainer, but I'm not very athletic at all and you have to be a really good swimmer. So, but I do like science. So marine biology, I guess I could be somewhere doing that. Um, I don't know. I don't know what would be different about me. I mean, it's kind of funny cause I'm like doing several things right now, you know, like I'm counseling, I stay home with my boys, they're two and four. Um, so I'd certainly still be running around with them. Um, yeah, I guess I don't know. That's, that's pretty. What would yours be? Inspire me. You know, Cindy asked me the same thing when I interviewed her. So I'm going to give you a different answer. I would okay. in another universe. I'm sure I'm an astrophysicist Ooh. because, you know, I have always been fascinated with space. I've always been interested in the cosmos, <laughs> so to speak. Cool. And I, you know, when Makes I, sense. that's what, when I get lost on TikTok. that's where I get lost is space talk, <laughs> which, that's is, so fun. which is hilarious, but um, there's definitely another version of me that went and, and it's, and it's really like, I'm, I'm not that great at math, but I'm sure there's some version of me that stuck it out and figured Oof. it out so that I could study Respect. the stars. <laughs> um, I would, I actually, it's funny. Cause I had a, uh, I consulted with a, uh, on a clinical case with a supervisor of mine and he was like, so when you started the doctorate and I was like, nope. I don't want to. Um, and I, so I think there's, there is probably though, like some, there's definitely a version of me that became a professor. And um, I, I was a grad student assistant in school and I really enjoyed teaching. I really enjoyed it doing the skills and the hands-on stuff. I didn't love the grading. I graded 20 page papers, graduate level papers. And, mm. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't love them. Um, I didn't like the grading part, but I loved the teaching and I liked the interaction with students and like the asking questions and stuff. Like I would really enjoy that part. So maybe part of me is a Dr. Winter somewhere, but not this one. This one's done with school. Very cool. So. Very cool. Well, thank you very much, Aaron, for joining me. 
Um, can you tell our listeners where they can find you? Yes, absolutely. So I am um, EA Winters on TikTok. I am EA Winters on Instagram, but on Instagram, it's e.a.winters. Um, but if you look up, uh, I'm on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. TikTok is where I'm probably most active, but I'm pretty active on both of the other ones too, like pretty consistent throughout the week. So definitely find me there. And my books are probably best um, accessible on Amazon. They're all available, um, Kindle and paperback as well. And then if you want signed copies, you can go to my website, which is eawinters.com. Probably predictable, but um, that's where you can find me. And I'll make sure to link all of those in the show notes. Um, so awesome. thank you very much, Aaron, for joining me today. I'm so excited that you were able to come on and we can make this happen. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's been so fun. Thank you for joining me today. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with EA Winters. Please join me next week when I talk to YA dark fantasy author Kimberly Grimes. We, took a, we talk about her upcoming book, Shades of Light. It's a great interview. We had a lot of fun, and I hope you will as well. So stay tuned for that. Be sure to like and subscribe and find me on social media at The Greatest Podcast in the Multiverse. Bye now. Thank you for joining me. If you enjoyed the show, like and subscribe on your favorite podcast app or on YouTube. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram at Greatest Podcast in the Multiverse. As well, you can help support the show by supporting me on Patreon. For as little as $5 a month, you can get early access to the show as well as submit your questions for my upcoming guests. I hope to see you next time. Bye now.